You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is David Carl. David is an actor who I went to undergrad with at the University of Evansville. He's such a lovely guy, and I'm really glad we got to reconnect and talk about his work. I really admire how he's taken his career into his own hands, and he writes a lot of his own work, one-man shows and shows with collaborators. He's a comedian. He's an impressionist. He has a show now that he's been performing called Trump Lear, which is a really interesting piece of satire. And I believe you can catch him in New York performing it coming up on February 3rd and February 10th, but check out trumplear.com for that information. I hope everyone is getting through January all right, and enjoy the 105th episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? So to keep from going to the dark side, the thing, I guess for the past five or six years, it's been writing. Um, and I started as an actor. So for me, uh, when I once I started writing, it was like, oh, I can do this anytime that I feel stuck or I feel depressed or, you know, if, if the dark side is I'm auditioning for a ton of commercials and I feel like I'm not doing anything artistic, I can write whatever I want. And, and that has always been an incredible freeing thought, which I, is a common tale for anyone who's decided to write, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but and, and so frequently if I'm stuck, the thing to get unstuck is usually I'll go for a walk and frequently at Central Park. But there's also a great little um, garden outside Jumel Mansion, which is a little house. It's on uh, Sylvan Terrace, which is between Edgecombe and St. Nicholas and mm-hmm. like 160th, right over there. Uh, and it's this mansion that George Washington stayed in once, so the city preserved it. <laughs> and, you know, when he was like fleeing the British, he stayed there for a week or something. <laughs> so, but there's this beautiful garden, and usually almost no one is in it. And so I just go and I sit and I think about ideas and pretend it's your backyard. I pretend it's my backyard, and yeah. and life doesn't feel so um, small. <laughs> yeah, which it can a lot in New York. Yeah. It's, what is in any the, profession, I think, not just acting. No, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's rough for almost everyone. It's a very tough place to live. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but it's rough. It's rough. Um, but those things those things bring me light, and they, they, they help me feel open and artistic and creative. And, what yeah. does the dark side usually look like for you most often? I mean, I deal with depression, some anxiety, uh, and then... Yeah, I guess for like just emotional mental health stuff, and then, uh, and then I guess in terms of the, my career, it's um, it's more to do with am I doing things that fulfill me? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so because I audition for a lot of commercials, I like doing them. I think they're fine. But if if I do too many a row and I haven't done anything that feels like it, you know, is really challenging me, then I get a little. Yeah. You know, okay, need to write something. Totally. Um, but I've really kind of I've kind of put myself on a schedule. So it's like a loose thing, of like write a new show a year. And I've stuck to that for the past five years. Um, so that's been good. Like that usually ends up keeping me busy enough. Um, Have they always been one-man shows? Not all of them. Um, one I wrote with uh, my now girlfriend. Uh, it's called David and Katie Get Remarried. 
and we wrote it just before like we were just getting to know each other we this is way before we dated uh but it's about a couple that has been married and divorced and decides to get married again and they're a terrible couple they should not be together <laughs> they uh think they know everything about love but they really know very little <laughs> and so the 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 show is like their ceremony um okay. so there's like five or six original songs and that was really fun to to write that with her and there's one other person in it and yeah. Nice. Um, so, but yeah, beyond that one, um, usually a solo show. Uh, although the first thing I did, I did with a friend of mine named Samuel Brett Williams, who's a playwright, and we wrote that together. Um, and, you know, he wrote a lot of it, and I did a lot of research. <laughs> and then, um, it was almost a solo show, it was a self help seminar. So mm -hmm. I was the self help guru, and then we had like audience plants that were actors. Uh, and they were great, so so it wasn't really a solo show, um, but sort of looked like one. Yeah. Do you remember what the um, impetus was when you first decided to start taking up writing, and like how you got the courage to like first take the first? Yeah. First, I'm gonna say first five more times. First, take the first step. <laughs> well, the first time I took the first step uh, was the first time. No, I I I remembered like I had always liked comedy, and so I had always liked. Um, improv and and I and, and I you know done it in acting school right so like we both went to University of Evansville mm -hmm. and then I went to Rutgers and did high school theater before that so like ten years of acting training that taught me I liked comedy you know and so I got here I finished grad school in New York for a couple of years and I'm taking classes at the Upright, Upright Citizens Brigade and at the Magnet and then at the Pit and. I don't know. I, I, I was like, I want to try. I want to do stand up, but like I did, a, I, I did character stand up. I did like a bad comedian named Frank Peppercorn who would like do bad jokes, and then it, <laughs> he became like a stalker character kind of because I got in this contest where I made him write stalker songs. It was like an eight week contest. You had to win every week to advance. I ended up winning, so I wrote like a bunch of songs. Were because all about of that, being, being a stalker, kind of, yeah, like borderline stalker, like not tr like that awkward guy who you're like not really know. so sure. And honestly, I don't even know if I would resurrect that character now because it's like yeah. I'd have to rewrite him because it's like I don't know if anyone it's wants like to laugh too about that. Creepy now. now, yeah, uh, but I I did that, and you know, he's like a really shy guy um, who you find out, okay, he's probably fine, but he, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> so I did that, and that kind of got me started. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in terms of writing stuff. Um, and, and then, and then, really, the, the, after the, the thing I did with my friend, um, Samuel Brett Williams, I call him Brett, so that's why I pause when I say that. Uh, we did that, and then I did Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet, as performed by David Carl. And that was the one that, like, I, I mean, I, I wrote it with my, my director was the co-creator, but uh -huh. I really wrote, you know, I, I sat in a room and I wrote a lot on that one. And that was the first thing that I kind of, like, really got some confidence as a writer. Um, you know, because it's not just Hamlet. Like, Gary Busey veers off the rails in every scene, and so there's a lot of other stuff in it. Uh -huh. um, and you've done that one. Are you still performing that one? Uh, we did it a year ago. Um, we totally would, uh, we being like my director and I, uh, but on our producing team. Um, we just were focusing on Trump Lear right now, so we're doing that more right now, but I'd love to do it again. I miss it. It's just a fun show, whereas Trump Lear is like a very dark, heavy show. Uh, Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet is like, it's fun. And, it, and it's, uh, it's, I think, more meaningful than most people think it'll be. <laughs> it looks like it's just going to be stupid, and then it's not. Mostly thanks to my director kind of encouraging that and making sure that was there. 
um, yeah, but that, that so like that kind of like was a big turning point for me to realize I can do whatever I want, if, you know. That and, and and by that I mean like, if you're, especially if you're gonna do a solo show, write something that's the most fun thing you can possibly imagine and the most passionate, and like and keep changing it and changing it until it just you can't stand it. It's it, it's so exciting to you to do it, not because you think it's amazing or great or like you're awesome, but like just like no, this is like I'm excited to do this. Uh, do you remember Matt Hodges? Were you ever there when he was? Or you heard about him? I, I've heard about him. I maybe have met him once and twice, but I don't know him. We'll talk about keeping fr- away from the dark side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember being like a freshman when he was a junior, playing video games at his house, and I was really depressed because I didn't know how to talk to people and how to interact, and I felt kind of alone. And I remember saying, I was just like complaining about that when we were playing video games. I was like, you know, Carl, um, if you want people to dig you, you should like dig yourself. And I was like, that is so on point and concise. That is true. It's so true. And like that's that's stuck with me since then, since like whatever. Isn't that funny how people say things, but they probably have no idea that you remember. Yeah, but it has so much application. I've told him that like five times. I think I tell him every time I see him. I was like, I know, Carl. Uh, But he, he, yeah, that really stuck with me because I think that's true for like your work. Like. If you don't love it, if you don't, if you aren't like, yeah, this is cool, like, I don't, it's like, I don't know. It, for me, Wait, that it's works. harder to ask other people to be yeah, excited hard, about it. Yeah, if you're not, but, but but then like, there are people who we that we all know who are very critical and and will never admit publicly that they like something, but like, right. it's amazing. Like what they're doing is great, and it's just they have very high standards, and right. So everyone's different, but well, I, I'm sure all your improv training is enormously helpful in this like the yeah. the ability to throw things up and like fail and then fail better and yes. fail better and not and kind of cut out that self editing critical part. yeah it does improv is amazing for that yeah Be- because any preciousness that you have about anything over time it goes away like you know w- the more you do it yeah and then yeah, you wake up one day and it's like, oh, I, I feel different in general about performing than I did five years ago or ten years ago. And, you know, um, yeah, it, yeah, improv has been incredibly helpful for me, especially just seeing it as a thing unto itself, not like, oh, this will help me get an agent or a job or any of that stuff. Like, doing this on its own is its own amazing thing and just let that be enough because that right. it is it's amazing and it does help you with your art but i'm sure it also just helps well, it does. as a person and all the ways that it does are a surprise and so if if you sit there trying to wonder what the surprise will be <laughs> it's not as much fun when it happens you know so yeah. it's like i mean he's like yeah just do it and enjoy it and know that it's gonna make you better at what you do and make things seem less scary and you know yeah it's fun yeah. it's fun um Going back to the thing about writing a one-man show, yeah, it also just makes it easier when you want to produce it. Yes, like right. That's so smart to write it in a way where it's not prohibitive. Right. There's a deadline. You've got to do it. You've got to put it up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy that side of it? I mean, I know you're working with your collaborator, yeah. your director. Yeah, and her name well. is, uh, and I w- I've worked with her on pretty much everything for the past five years. Her name is Nicole Biancasino, um, and it's the... Uh, female version of Michael, which she told me like a year ago. It's a Sicilian <laughs> name. It's not very common, um, but it's spelled with an M, not an N. Uh, okay. Yeah. But you guys, do you guys enjoy the 
producing side of it? Has that been tricky? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's so funny because like producing production, I'm sure as you know, it's like it's this very vague word, and it can mean so many no, it things. It encompasses so many things. And yeah. I, I think it's daunting for like for me when I was an actor, it's like, ooh, what's producing? I don't know. How am I gonna ever know what to do with what that means? But because it means so many different things, it, it is. It is a lot of things. And you figure out what you're good at, and you start with that. Like, I'm going to do this part. I'm going to send out press releases. I'm going to talk to venues. I'm going to – I'm actually better at Photoshop than I realized. I'll make a poster. Like, all of that falls under the umbrella of producing. Um, and, and so you just sort of learn it. Uh, and there's still parts that I'm not amazing at and um, that I don't know that well. And usually McCole knows that. She right. ran. She ran her own theater company. Still is running it, but it's. I think it's like just past twenty five years now. So, wow. she's like a wizard at writing grants and <laughs> things like that. And I'm not. And I mean, she can. She has three kids. She can like sit down on her hour break and write two grant applications or more like oh that, God. and they're great. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So you guys balance each other out. Yeah, we're a good strengths. team. Yeah, and it's funny because I think when we first started, I think like in my mind. Uh, because I was an actor, I, I would make crazy choices when I was just one of her plays, and like she'd be like, "No, no, don't do that. That's nuts. You're crazy." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, fine." Uh, but then, like working together as like writer and director and co-creators, like it, it w- we're both kind of yes people. I I thought like, "Oh, she's gonna be like the the no person," but she's really not. Like it's actually just like really fun, and um, yeah, it's like a it's like a really uh, it's a it's a, I'm very lucky to to have as a collaborator and my girlfriend as well um you know we, we did that one show together and we, we all do other little things but um yeah it, it I, I count myself very lucky to have even two two relationships like that it's, it's great yeah yeah um do you and your girlfriend what do you, how do you guys find it being two actors in a relationship uh pretty good i mean i think it helps that like we're both in our 30s and have navigated some other relationships and learned a little bit about ourselves Mm -hmm. and um i think we just communicate in a a way that makes sense and is compatible similar expectations and so uh you're able to handle each other's artistic juggling right yeah yeah because when you are both artists like you you both want to have room to be creative and so if (laughs) if one of you drives the other one crazy that just the way that you are yeah that's going to be a problem and thankfully we don't do that (laughs) so that's nice um and again i think luck but uh yeah and i guess we found that out working on a show together it's like we had a lot of fun we wrote that show in like a month and rehearsed it in a month and we had a lot of fun and and it was easy and and so i kind of like oh okay you're i could spend a lot of time with you if this turns into something later (laughs) you know yeah when you're working on like promoting the show and stuff yeah because you've been very successful, like you've been doing these shows a lot and for a long time. The yeah. Lear and the Gary Busey's Hamlet. Do you find it tricky to promote it as a one-man show or like sell? Because it's like yourself. Yeah. Right. Or what? Th- what things have you found that make that easier about like yeah. talking it up and? Yeah. Uh, that I, I find that tricky. You know, what, ten years ago, I would have like never, ever, ever even thought I would do any of this. Like, I would have hated doing that. I would have, like, let me just be an actor. Let me go. Let me let the right. marketing department do all of this. I just want to show up, go to rehearsal. I want to act, and I don't want to promote myself all the time. And I don't really like enjoy it. But I. No, but do. it's a it's a hard thing. I'm, but when it's just you, then yeah. it's like, oh well, if I don't do this, <laughs> then no one's gonna come to my show. With the exception of when you go on the road and a theater invites you somewhere and 
then yeah, their marketing people do promote, and that that's a dream. <laughs> uh, but here in New York, yeah, you got to kind of do your own promotion because a lot of venues they'll do they do some. I mean, actually, Under St. Mark's has been great. They, Emily Owens was our PR person, still is, and she's been amazing. Um, you know, and the People's Improv Theater where I've done a lot of stuff also is good. So it's not like you're doing it alone. But uh, I would say that what helps me get over resistance to doing it is that people are inundated with information and ads about everything all the time anyway. So it's going to be really hard for me to put out so much that I'm annoying people. And if I do, oh well. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> because it's probably not that many. No, um, and and because I, I look at it as like, there's they're like the tiniest list of people that annoy me <laughs> with the stuff they do. And it's like, it, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not ruining your life. And, and you know what? Like the two I can think of, they're doing great. Like people are going to their shows, and so you know, whatever, yeah. big deal. Um, but I, I uh, yeah, it's 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 just one of those things. I, you know, when I used to work in real estate, and uh, I got pretty good at like putting up my ads like as much as I could, and and you know, like I, I had a couple like two years where I did did okay, like I did all right at it, and I was like. I don't care about this at all. <laughs> I, this was like 2009, 2010, when I like was like, oh, I don't care about this, but I'm like doing pretty well at this. Like I'm pretty good at it, and I'm like, I need to like figure out how to do this with acting because like right. I clearly know how to promote. I don't mind doing it about something I don't care about. So right. why don't I start doing that about something I do? And I was like, oh, well, I need to have my own shows if I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, that so it took a couple of years to put it all together, but then I, I finally did, and, and then and then yeah. So now now it's 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 kind of how I again stay away from the dark side, is 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 to write something new every year, and I mean it works better than what what I was doing before for me. Um, yeah. I don't know that that's obviously it's not everyone's answer. In fact, listening to to Amelia McLean's, I was like, that's like such a different journey that I've had than because she's so good at doing the reading, like being a reader. I mean, obviously, and then like getting into being an understudying and all that. And yeah. like that journey is like fascinating to me. Cause like, I, I mean, I sort of tried to do that a little bit when I first started, but I, I just didn't end up going down that path. And so I don't know. I, 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 I guess why I love this podcast because you do get to hear all these different paths I know. that people take. You've got to hear so many. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing how many different ways yeah. people can figure out a way into this. Oh, you know what else I do? Just for like my own, like, yeah. and, and and I think it it, and it affects your work, obviously, because like being, I do believe that being like healthy and having a happy soul helps your work, mm -hmm. you know. Um, because of Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet is like a gift for an Indiegogo campaign. I made these paintings as if I was Gary Busey. And I, it set me free because I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm like not a painter at <laughs> at all. But if I pretend I'm Gary Busey, who's like, yeah, I can do anything, um, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna paint like I'm improvising. You know what I mean? Like just like, yeah, this is fun. This is good. <laughs> and I just like, I was like, oh, this is this is great. Like I remember I used to like painting when I was a kid. I didn't like, take I that. I enjoy many. this. It's fun. <laughs> and it, like I don't know if I ever want to take a class because it can be just this thing that like I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe I will, but, like, it's really just fun kind of messing around. Um, so I've been doing that, and I've been uh, – and then there was something else that's like that. Um, that's the main one, I guess. But, oh, I bake a lot. So I bake. So nice. starting 
uh, four years ago, uh, I would I started baking for my weekly improv shows, uh-huh. and I was like, I'll just see how long I do this. And it was so fun to do, and people are like so surprised to get just like a free brownie, just always brownies. <laughs> um, that I was like, I'm just gonna keep doing this once a week. Uh, so I've been doing that once a week for. I should have brought some tonight. I'm talking about it. <laughs> that's I'm okay. gonna, I owe you brownies. But um, the uh, yeah, that that's that like truly brings me peace. Like just to like do something with my hands. Exactly. I mean, we're on our phones all the time. It's like just thumbs and scrolling and yeah. oh, like I I I do painting and baking to to do something with my hands that isn't technology. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way about baking. I haven't been doing it as much because it's like just me and my husband right. we end up throwing out half of it right but since you have these shows to bring them to right. it's perfect yeah well i remember when i was in school uh, one guest director and teacher we had billy Cardin, um who ran est for a while and is still very active there i know um he 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 used to talk romantically about these like rehearsal processes where like people would bring dinner almost every night or like once a week at least, hmm. you know, and um, they would just like feed each other. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And then I got here and like, I couldn't find anyone that was doing that. <laughs> so I was like, well, at least just this brownie thing and, you know, see what, see what happens. <laughs> so that, yeah. Yeah. But like if you're in rehearsal and it's fun that you can like bring yeah. stuff, then it's, yeah, but you're right. It can be very, New York can be super isolating. It's true. It really can. It seems like you're so close, but then... It takes an hour to get to your friends in Brooklyn, and yeah. then you only see each other once every six months, and you're like, how did that happen? Right, right. And that'll feel like a lot. Like, that'll be someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, with improv, there's a forced community. You see people all the time. Um, so that actually, like, is good. But the past year, I've been writing more. I kind of took a break. So, like, I've been, like, mostly alone, hanging out with my girlfriend, and then, like, yeah. randomly catching up with people. But, um yeah. You really have to make an effort. In you do. City. You really do. Well, everyone's focused on their career, you know? Seth Herzog is a stand-up that I like a lot, and I went to see him once, and his opener was, um, hey, uh, so raise your hand if you're in love. And, like, two people raised their hand of, like, a 200. <laughs> He's like, oh, how's that all uh, pursuing your career going? How's that? <laughs> Everyone having fun with their careers? <laughs> I was like, that's New York. That's it. That's such a great. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's such a simple joke. It's nothing, you know, it's like, but it's like, yeah, that's it's to the point. It is. It is. <laughs> but that's why we all came here, right? We're all like pursuing something. And um, I hate using that verb and I just used it. But pursuing something? Well, not nah, not in that context. When I, I used to get really annoyed when people were like, oh, so are you like um, are pursuing to be an actor? And I'm like, right. no, I am one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I understand. I haven't had anyone say that in a while, so. Well, I want to talk about Trump Lear, but yeah. first, I'm wondering, do you have a show you're starting now that we're in 2018? Do you have an idea for a new show? I have a couple. They're they're generally um, more whimsical and fun than, than you need, Trump you need Lear. A change. Yeah, yeah. Because now I'm like, I'm a, a year into Trump Lear, but I'm two and a half years into playing Trump on a fairly regular basis, and it, it's as you can imagine, incredibly depressing. Yeah. So I've got a couple ideas that I don't want to completely okay. talk about just because they are um, it, it, too much in their infancy to – I don't want to jinx them. But you're or, starting that process again. Yeah. You're starting to just – Yeah. But there's, there are several that are, that are just more fun. They're kind of more pure fun, mostly for my own sanity. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. So in – so with Trump Lear, I guess that's my first question is how – 
the fuck can you <laughs> live with this presence of this guy every day? Because I can't even. Yeah. I mean, I'm absorbing a lot of the news and stuff, but I'll even like I can read quotes of his. I can't yeah. listen to his voice. What's well, very repetitive. Them. I have to yeah. like mute the TV, yeah. or I'll f- I'll fast forward through the podcast where the, the news podcast where they play the clip of him right. saying it because it just is like and it's never really any, yeah it is and it's never really anything new. It, he's he's yeah. he's just, just he, repeating the same yeah. words. I mean sometimes it and sometimes it's new words, but it's usually very and I'll spare you doing an impression uh, <laughs> because it's like yeah it's so much and it's constant and it's. It's just the same sort of hateful. I'm the best. I'm I'm winning. I'm you know this delusional kind of insanity yeah. and and uh, yeah. So I it, it, but I I asked myself would if I hadn't done this, would I be less depressed? And I don't know. I mean, I look around and all my friends look pretty wiped it's as well. Bad for everyone. So I don't know if I'd be any better or worse. If so I you hadn't. were playing him. I read you were doing like him in the debates and stuff leading yeah. up to him being elected before you yeah. were Trump player. Yeah. And yeah, because I, I I booked that show before I knew he got in um, at the did pit. You, is that when you be- came up with your impression of him or do you had that lying around? I did not have it lying around. I didn't really think much of him. I thought he was a pretty boring, uninteresting, not that funny guy. Like yeah. he's like a he's like a bad insult comic, which is super low, like n- like brow, like the lowest brow, like, yeah. you know, no, that's not exciting to do so he was not on my radar and then when i heard he got in and i was already going to do the show where he would do all the candidates in the debates i was like oh this this is not going to be fun i was looking forward to just like making fun of ted cruz and jeb bush (laughs) they're kind of easier voices yeah they're not as i mean they're i mean ted cruz is terrible jeb bush is not great but he's (laughs) compared to all these other guys it's like all right maybe not as bad but yeah. The, uh, uh, anyway, it, it, he doesn't feel. T- I mean, Jeb Bush is just kind of like this. You know, right. it's not really. It, it's not it's, as many gymnastics. Yeah, it's not. That. It's not. Ex- it's not as exhausting to do it. I mean, I can yeah. think of a hundred guys in Texas that sounded like this, just on a physical level, on a on a acting level, and an emotional level. Jeb Bush does not wear me out. Uh, How's your voice doing? Does it like physically exhaust? You I, I have to. I have to really. Work? I really have to use my technique, and I notice it when I don't. Um, yeah, because yeah, because it's it's actually yeah it can be pretty rough. Although I found that uh, when I did Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet, I would I would, which is a less aggressive voice. All right now, okay. So, uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Gary Busey. Yeah. Uh, and then like and then Trump is. By the way, it's unbelievable. And it's like <laughs> there's more. It feels like there's more rasp when I do Trump. Yeah. But then I'll be less. I don't know why, but I'll be like less exhausted vocally hmm. after a show. But I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me about your idea when you started Trump Lear. Like what your goal was with this piece of satire, and also like how it's changed over the year of doing it. Cool. It's uh, a great question. Uh, the goal was definitely to use this tool that I had of being able to play him in some way that could be helpful and which is which is a new challenge because i'd come off of doing a you know a show where i played a guy who's more obscure like gary Busey, and it's just fun so there's no there's and he wasn't like necessarily in the news right now or anything no yeah and so that there was and yes yeah, so there weren't like a million other people doing gary Busey. whereas when i decided to i mean i knew there would be a bunch and there are and they're all really good i think i mean 
I even like Alec Baldwin's impression, you know, like I, for what and I like, I love Anthony Atamanix and I love, and just a guy named Bob DeBuono that was on um, the Larry Wilmore show and his is amazing. I think his is like probably the best in terms of like just sounding like him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also very funny. And then uh, there's, there's a bunch. And, and so it's like, all right, so what do you, what do you do then when there's already a lot of people lampooning this person? And so it's like, okay, so. I don't see it a lot in theater, so mm-hmm. that seems to be sort of an open field. Um, and it's certainly my weird little like impression theater hybrid thing that I do. Um, there's almost no one doing it, so it's like okay. I feel I feel like I I'll, I'll at least bring I'll, I'll bring a fresh take to it. But but then it's like so yeah. What do I want to actually uh, look at? And the more my director and I talked, we were like. We're all hit so hard with all the obvious stuff all the time on late night television and by the news. So what if we like look towards the future a little bit and say like, all right, what could get worse? Like what what has not happened yet here? And um, the thing we finally kind of stumbled on was an idea that I had had. We're like, all right, well, what if I got arrested for doing this play, this <laughs> stupid play, right? And and. Uh, you know, he, he. I wake up and I'm in this room, and Trump's like, "Do this play for me." I'm watching from somewhere else, and if uh, if I like it, you live. If I don't, you die. And that got us both excited because, like, okay, then it's about the First Amendment, and we both have a very personal connection to that. And um, it's it is the First Amendment, so most people are concerned about it. Most people, once they start to look at the First Amendment, are like, "Oh, this is kind of gray, and it's different in every state, and it's been different in every decade." and you know, so it's it's intensely personal to everyone. And then you have parts of the world that don't have it. And, and you know, Russia, you know, directors are getting arrested and mm. put in jail for doing Midsummer. you know, the way that, like, with, cause it, because there's, like, t- two men in it that are in, in love. or You know, I mean, it's, like, it's crazy. Uh, so it's actually happening in the world where people are getting arrested for their art, uh, not just the future. So that, that, that suddenly, like, it struck a chord with us personally. And... Um, that's what we then wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, can you describe just briefly? I saw the video. Yeah. I see it live, but yeah. can you describe briefly for the listeners, kind of um, how you do it with the props and everything? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they can picture it a little bit. So, like, yeah. So, as I said, like in the play, this performer gets arrested for doing a show. So, the play within the play then is called Donald Trump's One Man King Lear, as performed by Carl David, which is just basically <laughs> me, but not right. And so. Uh, so this guy, Carl David, he, 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 his little play is set super far in the future where Trump's the last guy alive. He's in his bunker mm-hmm. and he misses, he misses his audience and he misses performing and he misses approval. And that, this is the one thing. I was like, what's the one thing that might make Trump vulnerable? Because how do you make Trump vulnerable? He's not. He's not shown us any vulnerability at all. And... I don't even like, like usually when you play like Iago or some like big villain, it's like, all right, how can I, how can I show the vulnerability of this character and right. like do some great acting by surprising everyone with how vulnerable they actually are? And it's like, for the first time in my life, I had no interest in doing that, and, and I couldn't escape it. But I was like, so I, I wanted to lampoon it. Like, well, what is it for someone who wants to prove 
like to himself he's alone he's the last guy alive to prove to himself he's vulnerable so he takes this king lear it's like you know <laughs> it's like it's the great play that everyone does at some point you know all these old actors do and and you know kind of be like here i still got it you know and and i mean a lot of times it's amazing and, and it's an earnest thing to do but uh I liked the idea that Trump would be like, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And so, you know, and so by myself to no one, uh, which is just crazy. So then he like he basically takes objects in his uh, bunker, like his ketchup and his mayo and his mustard. And so he makes his kids, um, Goneril Regan and, and Cordelia, he makes them Eric, Don Jr. and Ivanka. And, you know, so they're mustard, mayo and ketchup. And then like uh, Bush Sr. is Gloucester. And then Bush Jr. and Jeb are Edmund. Uh, Edmund is Bush uh, <laughs> Jr. And uh, Jeb is Edgar. Um, it, and of course, it all gets just messed up. And it, like the first scene, it's the it's the play kind of. But then, because Trump, the voice of Trump, is interrupting and he's bored all the time. He's a child. Uh, we we never really get through even the play within the play. That, that gets messed up. So it's not a beat by beat. You know, this is right. the perfect alignment of King Lear and <laughs> Trump. It's not because he, I don't I don't think he does fit up fit perfectly with any play. I mean, there were tons of articles this past year in like theater circles about like which 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 one is he? Is he Richard the Third? Is he this? Is he that? And it's like I don't really think he fits any of them because all of those guys, as bad as they are, do show some vulnerability. And well, that's what when I was I was talking to my husband about. The shows you do and stuff, and he was asking, "Well, I don't. Well, I wonder what his, <laughs> you, you know, I'm curious about what his goal is with it, because King Lear, you end up feeling sympathy for him in right. the end. Yeah, he was like, and I, <laughs> yeah. you know, does he show sympathy for Trump at the end? And I was like, well, I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's <laughs> listening, but no, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's it it's not. Um, but I kind of I kind of love because i didn't know what to expect so yeah. i was like okay well maybe he's he's just gonna be doing <laughs> right lear as right. trump yeah but i kind of love that it's you see carl david yeah acting as trump but you only hear quote unquote the real trump's voice in the voiceover yeah so it's kind of great that you don't actually put him on stage that's what we didn't want to do we did not want to do that and Nicole gets credit for that because she was just like because I actually initially wanted to do the play within the play mm -hmm. and just do this whole full-out thing and he's just like you know kind of wandering around his bunker doing these strange things by himself and maybe he opens the door and there's <laughs> you know whatever but like it just, wouldn't have made for much of a play because no, never have gotten no. far enough to... And nobody wants to watch him that long. Yeah. That's the thing. So yeah. it's like, yeah, what you're saying is is I'm so glad that she caught that because it was like, yeah, we're all exhausted by it. So hearing him is enough. Yeah. And then also seeing your character kind of fight, fight against him when the stakes are really high. Yeah. Yeah, that's more interesting, I think. Good. That's good to know. Because I don't. Because I don't. You know. I don't know. It's like. That was my impression. Yeah. It's weird because it's like because it's like this weird dark comedy. You know. Everyone has such a different reaction. So like, and and the laughs are always very very different. And, I'm sure. And so I like hearing what what. Have you had any weird uh, experiences with the audience? Like people who just came to like abuse you or none of that <laughs> they're just pissed at Trump or something. None of none of that in this show. 
So or Trump but, supporters coming to see it? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Um, but it do, it does like the last show of December um, was like really quiet, <laughs> and I I honestly don't know if like I just wasn't very funny that day or if it was like just one of those days where everyone was very very raw and everyone's like, like it's about to be new year's i'm contemplating yeah like this whole year yeah maybe they were just feeling a little i don't know but then like some sometimes it's like the audience can't stop laughing in texas so we, we did it in texas and i was scared you know Wait, you grew up in texas yeah i grew up in dallas yeah. and like i was a little probably irrationally scared but uh Nonetheless, I was, and then but excited to be there. Though we went to Kitchen Dog Theater. It's a theater that I grew up kind of helping out at a little bit, like house managing and doing little things like that. Mm-hmm. And my high school director worked there, Tim Johnson, and uh, I love what they did. They do like really great, like absurdist plays and really cool like t- takes on uh, classical plays and new plays. And so to get to go there was. A dream, but here I am in Texas, and so it, and those audiences were, I think, are uh, among our best. I mean, they were really lively and kind of excited to to be there, and um, so that was fun. To your original question, though, not with Trump Lear, but when, when I did Trump Takes on Boston, which was in Boston at a place called Laugh Boston, uh-huh. uh, it was a show that had two other performers that I I helped create, but I, I did not. It wasn't my thing. Uh, I was just sort of brought on to play Trump. Um, that was fun. Uh, we it was it led up to the election. It was like five nights a week for five weeks. Wow. And uh, the one woman played Ivanka, Hillary, and Melania, and then this one guy played a character that we called Pilbo, who was my assistant. <laughs> and um, I was just screaming at him all the time. And it's Trump takes on Boston. It was with Joey Lopez and Kara O'Sullivan. And they were amazing, um, but they we did like short form improv games that were specific to basically like almost like Trump wanting more, just wanted to be around crowds more. He like missed his rallies during the debates, and so he just wanted to get more feedback and like like focus group stuff. So we're like focus group kind of games. Um, so that was fun. But at the end, I debated the audience. Uh, and like so, like seven or eight people would come up every show, and like sort of rapidly debate them, and that is where wow. uh, three different people charged me during um, those debates on different physically nights. charged you. Yeah, and the uh, the first time it happened, this guy came up after the debate section was over. He came up, he was kind of nuts. He outed himself as a Bernie bro, but we're not really even sure. He just seemed a little like off and. Who knows? Maybe he was just a little drunk, but like he was an older guy, and then he like reached for his like inside his jacket. I'm freaking out. The light, they turn out the lights, the owner and the director and the head tech guy sort of usher him off stage, and the lights come back up. And I'm like, what? The guy was gone. And then I, I see them like taking him out peacefully. And after the show, it's like, Cool. It was like our first night. It was our very first night. So I to be mean, fair, like we had not a quick reaction. But. We had not discussed. He was like, "Cool. Uh, moving forward, let's not turn out the lights." Yes. Because <laughs> um, it just In scared. That just scared me. <laughs> so instead, we just we got a, a very tall security um, person to come up and stand between me and the person de- debating me. And sure enough, two different women ran at me during that debate, and they were both Hillary supporters, um, which I just was totally shocked by. But And, and I don't know that they would have done anything. I think were they that, trying to be funny? Maybe. But, like, 
you know, they're audience members, so they they could have accidentally hit me. I think is what right. would have, the worst that it would have happened. Planned. I don't think it would have been really really a bad situation. Still um, surprising. Yeah. I had a few Trump supporters say some really awful, like kind of gross things to me at the bar. Like I would go to the bar in costume and take photos, <laughs> which is sort of soul crushing. But like I right. get it, they wanted to promote the show, and it was yeah, mostly fun. But tricky. then every once in a while, some really like aggressive man or woman would just like say something nasty, and I was like, I, "This is not." Ugh. I'm sorry, guys. See you later. You know, like that was not fun uh yeah but yeah. but really and and then a few we did a few drunks in that one where i'd be like get him out get him out and that really was a sign to the club to like take them out so that was kind of fun i actually got to eject <laughs> a few the, people the rest of the audience actually loved yeah that. they loved that that was actually really fun but that um, has not happened uh knock on something with trump <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is what um, you would watch <laughs> knock on my watch yeah uh I mean, we were talking about this kind of before we started recording, but has has the show changed much depending on the developments throughout his first year in office? It only it only changes a little. I mean, because I said it in the future, uh, it enables us to like not have to change it too much. Um, there have been little things like there 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 are sections where I like talk to the audience, and in those sections, because I'm improvising a little, like I can insert one or two weekly things. But I try not to do too much of that because I, I just feel like everyone's getting a lot of that already. And so it doesn't need to be like, yeah. this is what happened yesterday. Right. But I mean, sometimes I will. Like, I definitely said jokes about being a stable genius this past week, <laughs> um, you know, which depending on when this comes out will already be old news. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was like fresh and, you know, that worked, you know. So I, I, I do a little bit of sprinkling it in. I am starting to get a feeling, though, that we're getting closer now to things that are in the play like becoming possible because i'm starting to feel the audience get a little bit more like oof this is hard to watch and and so i might do a rewrite i don't know uh in a couple months or or sooner just just because i like it if it's a little funnier personally and to do that i find that you have to make it even crazier than what's happening that's gonna be harder and harder. Yeah, it does get harder and harder. So, so you know. So we'll see. I might do one. I, I don't know. I don't know. It it kind of depends on how I feel up there. <laughs> you know, enough nights in a row. Um, yeah. Wow. But like this past week was really fun, and then you know, so we'll see. My director's in town this next weekend, and we'll Take I'll do it and it. we'll talk. Yeah. 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 Um, we're going to Colorado in uh, not this weekend, but next. Um, so that'll be fun. And then back How here. are you guys finding these bookings? Are you working with an agent or anything? Or are you guys we're doing not, it yourself? We're not working with a booking agent. Um, we'd love to. Uh, we're not at the moment. But yeah, we kind of we started doing it with Gary B. C. Hamlet and we've so these t- two traveling gigs this year are we're returning to places we took Gary B. C. Hamlet. Nice. Um, yeah, but we're just kinda like cobbling together stuff through people we know. Um, do you have to go visit a lot of friends? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to go do a show here. <laughs> I mean, Dallas has been that way. Da- Dallas yeah. was a dream because I got to take Gary Busey Hamlet there in March and then again with Trump Lear in December. That was nuts to get to do that twice. Um, yeah, so I, I, between those two shows, I got to see a lot of people, and that was really wonderful. Um, yeah, and then my parents like live in Alabama now, in Birmingham, Alabama, so we took Gary Busey Hamlet there, and that was fun because they like just moved there and – 
my dad's got like a church there. So like they all came and there was like one show where there's like a 10 year old boy and an 87 year old woman in the audience. Like, I don't know. I just, I love stuff like that. You know, where like, you've got this like really wide range of people in your audience. Like, yeah, that's kind of why I got into theaters, like to bring lots of different kinds of people together. Are you, how, what does your family think of you being an artist for your career? They're very supportive. It's really cool. Um, I totally lucked out on that. Uh, yeah. They, they come to stuff and they support stuff. and Are any of them in creative careers? Well, my dad is because he's, you know, he's been a preacher since he was, I think the first time he preached was like, which is, it's storytelling, essentially. Was, yeah. Uh, he was 17 years old. Wow. Because his dad was a preacher and he paid, he, he like got a gig in like this tiny town in Oklahoma because someone pastor was sick. And he's like, he got paid, I think like $25 to go give a sermon at this church <laughs> that had like maybe 10 people there in attendance. Um, and they kind of got hooked, I guess. Uh, and he's, he's really good at preaching. Like he memorizes his sermons and he tries to make them funny and they are funny usually. And, uh, yeah, he, he's a good storyteller. So I grew up around him. And then my mom is also just a very creative like person just as she is. Um, yeah. And in fact, then my dad's side of the family is like, there's like six other preachers on the side of the family. Wow. So every every family event, it's like hanging out with all these people that are good storytellers. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that, that must have been so interesting to grow up around. It was interesting. Because it is very performative. Like it theater is. and religion are yeah. very close. And at least the branch of the Presbyterian tree that, you know, my family was on really wasn't that uptight. So it never felt like this really like tense like what you might imagine, Stifling. like, oh, six preachers, <laughs> you know, uh, but it was fun. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't really find myself feeling like, oh, man, what a drag, um, oddly enough, you know, uh, and, and then now, like, we're, you know, kind of like I love my aunts and uncles. They're fun and it's good to see them. And um, my grandpa's 94. Oh, my goodness. And he only stopped. He only stopped preaching i've said that a lot now in the past couple minutes uh he only stopped like i think six or seven years ago um yeah so it's it, it, incredible yeah it, it's a it's a it, it can be a really creative field and so i i, I grew up around it. And, and then like everyone's into music too because like music is in churches a lot so mm-hmm. lots of music all the time and um my brother teaches tennis. He's like a tennis player, and uh, that's very creative too, actually. Uh, yeah, so he's you know, and he's like a really nice guy, which I think was incredible to ha- to have. I have one brother, and he was three he years older, older yeah. three years older, and he was just really nice. He never beat up on me or anything, and and so I totally lucked out there too. Like, um, sort of like had a, a my model was just like to be nice and honest and not. You know, and I was never as good at it as he was. Like, I, I mean, later it's become very important to me, but, like, I think I was kind of a little shit, you know, <laughs> um, for a while. And, and uh, yeah, I, I was lucky to have him, though, as a, as a model, you That's know. That's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I, I think that at the end of the day, all that stuff, like, it matters, like, for the kind of art that you make, you know, like, if, if you're around people that, kind of value honest communication, you know? Like, not just are you a good storyteller, but, like, is there something honest behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think that I think that matters a lot. Yeah. Do you have any artistic mentors in your life that have been important to you 
So many. Your career. So many. So many. Um, I just don't usually like. I usually just, I'll go in reverse. <laughs> I usually got to start with like. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many in grad school and so many in undergrad, you know. Uh, so obviously, like, you know, we both had Scott Lank and Christy Award and, like, Lutz and all of them. Like, like everybody. Honestly, like, I just saw Judy Sebesta, who I don't think you got to have, but Diane Brewer came after her. Both yeah, of them. Yeah, I met her, but I didn't have her in class. Yeah, honestly, like, bo- like both of them for theater history were, like, have, had, have turned out to be, like, really important for me. Because, like, I enjoy doing research on things. Um Partially because of yeah, the of dramaturgy that. is really important. Yeah, in fact, I used shows, I yeah. used my dramaturgical protocol like from Hamlet that I used that in on Hamlet <laughs> that like helped me a lot with like writing the show. Hmm. And then yeah, uh, and then at Rutgers like we did the Meisner technique, and so Deborah Headwall was our main acting teacher there, and I would say like she was a big big mentor because I really I needed to like kind of open up and unglue and I think I think when we went to Chautauqua together I had just done a year there Mm -hmm. so I probably talked your ear off that summer about how much I love that but like I just remember (laughs) how you had a puppet I did have a puppet I did have that Jim Croce puppet (laughs) uh yeah the singer Jim Croce um not the old terrible laws Jim Crow Jim Croce I think was something that you had had from your first year yeah yeah I had done that for like a independent activity for a Meisner (laughs) exercise and yeah now I do stupid things with bad puppets because that was the first time I made Deborah Headwall laugh like, really hard was I had this puppet that kept falling apart while I'm trying to like do this like really intense Meisner scene and it made her laugh like really hard and she was a hard you know tough nut to crack and and uh, I was like oh I should make bad puppets that don't quite work apparently that's funny when I do that and it still kind of is it's uh, yeah still it still kind you. of works uh, there's more of it in Gary Busey Hamlet if you watch that uh, you'll see more of it there. Um, it's, it's, it's got, it doesn't get interrupted by a a voice. It just goes and goes and goes. Um, yeah, those are like the school. But then like, I mean, I had such good high school teachers, you know, like I I had, uh, like Tim Johnson, I mentioned who worked at kitchen dog theater and then Nancy pointer, who was my high school teacher. I saw both of them in Texas recently and just like so lucky to have good teachers early on. And then. You know, even before that, my piano teacher is a big one, um, Karen Austin, who's no longer with us. Uh, and I usually, she's one of two people I usually like sort of quietly dedicate a show to mm. before every show. It's like a ritual I do now. But she, she's like, I took piano with her for like nine years, I think. I mean, wow. I, I think I took from like third grade until junior year of high school. So whatever, third grade to 11th grade, I don't know, eight, eight nine years. Uh, but her big thing was... Don't just play the song. Don't like r- r- make it come to life. Like tell a story with it. Like she from the beginning. Like when we were yeah, like that's nine. That's not something that they usually talk about when you're that young. Not usually. Yeah, I don't think so. And I just remembered she was she was a really good teacher, and I didn't want to practice, you know, but I would because I respected her, and I I wanted I wanted to like make her happy, you know. <laughs> uh, even more than my parents, honestly. And See, that's what that's what I find so interesting about hearing all these stories. Is not everyone ends up getting paid millions of dollars. Not yeah. everyone ends up being world famous for their art. Yeah. But somebody who's teaching piano and you're talking about your experiences with her when you were in third grade oh, now. Yeah. Like that's a hugely success. It, it I, is. I, the word success is so weird to me. It is me, a weird word. But it if, is. if you're going to try to 
have it exist, yeah. <laughs> then that is successful. It really is. It really, really, really is. And it's important really to see it. really impact people's yeah. lives like that. It's true. She was. And I think she knew in a good way that she was. She, like, her, her, I didn't get to go to her funeral, but, like, it's one of those where, like, everyone came. Because she taught, yeah. like, five she decades really or something. touched of, people. Five or six decades of people that can't show wow. up for that and played songs. And it was one of those, like, amazing <laughs> funerals. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then even before her was a woman named Jean Christman who was in charge of the crafts at her church. And she taught third grade. And you just went every Sunday and made crafts. And with what I loved about her was she had a plan, you know, like, all right, today we're going to do, like, David and Goliath. And we're going to make a big Goliath puppet. And, but if you don't want to do that, do whatever you want. And so, like, we could. We could just do whatever we want. And I frequently would or would do a weird twist on whatever she did. And she really encouraged that. And, like, yeah, that was another. Yeah, you were like, punished for. No, she was just, like, this really fun, funny lady who was like, yeah, go crazy, have fun, you know, um, at church. So that was nice. You know I, I love mean? that you can draw connections from your artistry now to to those things. I, 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 well, I spent a lot of time in that park pontificating <laughs> and uh, maybe more than I should, but yeah, so it's all a little too well <laughs> connected. Maybe <laughs> I, I, if it can be, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm very lucky to have all these. I do. I've had a lot of mentors and a bunch in the city that have, have you know, if Randy Pearlstein, when I first got, he's like, he's only 10 years older. So we're, we, I can't call him a mentor anymore. I mean, I'll offend him, but, uh, we, he started as a mentor because he's an impressionist and a you know an actor and a writer and and I you know we just became buddies quickly and he would kind of give me guidance and lots of people like him who who have been helpful professionally too um, yeah I don't, I don't know it, it's it's a uh, yeah I don't know I get I get <laughs> emotional when I think about mentors because it it, it it they're incredible it's yeah. it's a, it's a it's such a unique relationship. There was something you were saying earlier, though, about uh, sort of this idea of success mm -hmm. and like what defining it. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot lately about how there seems to be something universal amongst performers, and not just, but even people like of of wanting approval or wanting. I mean, I definitely see it myself, but uh, of wanting affirmation, like. Did you see that I did that? Did you see, like, did, did, you know, whether it's applause or laughter or a check or a like on social media mm -hmm. or an award or whatever it is? And um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because it's like, I guess, of course, I'm an actor. I'm going to say, well, that's something that makes me vulnerable. But then it's also like, how much do I, how much life do I want to give that? Like, how, like, how can I, how can I make sure I don't get too caught up in that? Yeah. And in that checking in, like, how am I doing? You know what I mean? Well, I think that's that's the really tricky thing because... Because you see it in, like, actors that are in their 70s and 80s that have won multiple awards. Like, that they, right, you want to be in hungry. a place where, like, you're proud of what you're doing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is thinking. But then since we've chosen to devote our time and training and to commodify this... Yeah. And people are getting paid for it, and we should be getting paid for it as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And we want to pay our bills this way. Right. That makes it... A little tricky. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. You know what got me, what crystallized it for me, I, there was a documentary called uh, about Marion Doherty, the casting director. Yeah. And she cast, like, everything. I saw it, but it's been a while. Yeah. It was a couple years ago. But, uh, I mean, everyone. Everyone was on that thing. Like, every director and actor. And I was like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, my, every single one of these people still wants to be 
without meaning to mention it, like you can tell that they still want to be remembered or they want to be acknowledged. And it's like, but you're, you get this, this is a group of men and women that I look up to and I'm like, how could you possibly not feel totally full? Yeah. And, and I, I guess it never goes away completely that, that hunger, uh, or that need for approval or need for just, did you get that? Did you, did you hear what I said? Mm-hmm. Even, even if it's just that, but I don't know. I, I, it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I'm sort of trying to work out, like, what's what's a healthy way to <laughs> deal with that? Sort of very normal thing for us, especially yeah. as performers. So I don't know. That's that's a thing that I'm, like, trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. I think ha- having those things that you're in control of, like your writing, or having those things, yeah. the creative things that you can do without anyone else's approval, yeah. like maybe – besides the performing or writing in your journal or painting and that stuff I think is helpful for that that stuff does help then you're like I just did that yeah I spent 15 minutes and I did the journal entry and yeah that stuff no one else is gonna see it but I just did it yeah (laughs) and I'm happy with it that stuff really does you know yeah that stuff definitely helps um yeah yeah is there anything that you're proud of from the last couple of years that you want to tell me about, like a lesson you've learned or something like that? Mm. doesn't have to be a big thing. Well, I will say that without getting into the details of my marriage and divorce, mm-hmm. uh, I took that as an opportunity at the end of that to say, I'm going to really try to take the things that I care about and and think about them consciously every day so that I can do them more and to me that was like be honest be nice and be present um and like actual nice not like fake nice you know like be loving so like be open and connected and all that and because those are things i valued since i probably started acting you know you hear them all the time but i think i was the kind of person that would like oh well i'll be that way in rehearsal (laughs) and then i'll okay i'll go back to being kind of closed off and like be in my own world and do my own thing and you know. Focusing on your career. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, or taking a break. You're like, what? I'm leave me alone. Yeah. You know, but I really, I realized that's ridiculous. Why, why do that, like light switch thing? Because that's fake anyway. That's not real. Yeah. And to me, like, it hit me that like, oh, what's true is to be open. Like, if you're open and you're paying attention, you're acknowledging a certain connectedness that I think is. I, I believe is is real that is, that is we are all connected we're actually sharing air and all that stuff right. and energy so if you're open you're acknowledging it if you're closed off whatever that means to you then you're sort of just denying what's going on and you're missing out on life <laughs> and if you're having a bad day you're stuck with it longer because you're like capturing it inside and holding mm-hmm. on to it and letting it. And then, you know, if, if it's a bad day and you're open, it can move through. And if it's a good day, you don't have to capture it and hold it. it, it it's, it's better, you know. It's, so I, it's such a simple thing, but I, I don't know. I, I sort of consciously would think about that a lot for like a couple of years after that. That, that was, this has been like, it was almost five years ago. And uh, I've just been way happier. And and uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So and I never really, 
I, I just I would think I was one of these people like I know I know I know I was I was a kid like that and then I became a teenager like that and I think yeah. I was a theater student like that like I know I know I know <laughs> and yeah I did but I wasn't I wasn't really like letting a lot of this great information that I gotten from all these mentors in you know like sort of like all output not enough input you know and and so just kind of like that's been nice to focus on and and still kind of consciously think about you know um we were talking about ralph zito before yeah and i remember one time he i forget where he got this from but he i've heard this from other people but uh the idea of like you you, you start in the beginning of life's journey man is man and mountain is mountain in the middle of life's journey man is mountain and mountain is man and at the end of life's journey man is man and mountain is mountain and, and, the, and it's sort of like the same journey from what I understand is like uh, when you're trying to learn something new, you've got, I think, you're consciously unaware and then you're consciously uh, um, aware and I'm skipping one. <laughs> well, you're unconsciously unaware and then you're consciously unaware and then you're consciously aware and then you're unconsciously aware. <laughs> right. And so... I never really let myself go through that journey with things like just listening and being open and being present. And so it's kind of fun to go on that journey and really, and, and uh, yeah, anyway. That's wonderful. I don't know. Yeah. Plus it's just nice to know that you can change. Yes. It, and it takes time, but if, yeah, if you, you do it every day. You reminding yourself that you can, you can totally do it. Yeah. And I do think from experience, I will say that if you, <laughs> if you do things consciously every day, it takes less time <laughs> to change. It doesn't, it still doesn't happen overnight, but I, I do think it yeah. takes less time personally. Um, yeah. I do like getting older because I, I do think maybe, okay, the, my, I'm, I'm 37 and my physical body is already starting to like wear down, <laughs> but everything else does get easier. Yeah. Um, things are still hard, but things do get easier. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for me. Well, there's just a couple of questions because I've had you for a while. Yeah. I want to ask before we wrap up, but is there anything that you really wanted to talk about today that I haven't touched on before we do that? Well, I'm excited. I guess the a new thing is that I'm, I've, I'm just starting on a sketch team at UCB um, on their mod teams, which is like their house sketch teams. So that means just that I'm, I'm an actor on the team. There's six actors. There are five writers. And uh, we write a show every month. And, nice. And, You're going to be really getting back yeah, yeah. into it. So that, that starts at the end of January. And it'll, our team is called Presley. And um, we actually just took over the theater that the Pearl used to be in recently. Um, used to be just took that over on 42nd Street Where near 11th. Where the signature used to be. Yeah. That's what I always think of it right, as. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we're there. Okay, wow. So that's kind of crazy. Right um, Because it's, it's this... a great little theater. It is. And it, it, I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, it, it's like more like an off-Broadway theater than a, yeah. a comedy theater. So I'm pretty excited to, to do that. Uh, nice. Yeah, and just sort of continue like, I don't know. It's been really fun to do improv and sketch and theater and... And then find ways to mix them all. And I, I just want to keep doing that. Like, that's fun to me. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, we've touched on a few of these things, but when you're having a day where you're really feeling uninspired or in that dark place, are there any concrete things that you go to again and again? Like, 
a book you always reread or mm. play, uh, you already talked about going to the parks but yeah stuff like that books that i read i like i do like just going back to shakespeare just for fun um i do like uh biographies i really mm. like i love daryl hammond's biography um just because it's really personal and it, it's not your typical celebrity biography. It's like, oh, everything was so amazing. And I, I even I <laughs> even I was starstruck when I met Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it it's he really like goes there and talks about some pretty dark stuff. And uh it's an interesting kind of look at the history of mental health and in mm. uh kind of the past fifty years. Um just through one person's journey but um yeah like so i i I find those kind of biographies fun and um yeah and i like yeah so i like to read those kinds of things and uh walks are big walks are a big (laughs) one for me i i I like to just sort of i find it meditative that's probably one of the big i mean i I actually during our bombogenesis the bomb cyclone i walked from uh, 110th to 59th through central park Really? Um, yeah, the wind was not that bad in the park. It would get going, but I mean, it was bundled up. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't painful. Like, it must have been kind of beautiful. It was gorgeous, and the other people that were out were people mostly like walking big dogs. Yeah, I guess big dogs love snow. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten that. I was like, oh yeah, they have some... to go outside. Yeah, and and they love snow. At least all the ones that were there that day. Uh, yeah, so I'll go out even if it's like yeah, yeah. nasty. Yeah. Um, and then the last question is: Is have you seen anything recently that you want to recommend of any art form? Oh man! Uh, if I hope he does, I'm sure he'll do it again. I saw Alan Cumming at Joe's Pub, nice. and I I never seen him live somehow, and blew my mind. Um, just, I, I saw him in cabaret, but I've never seen him like do his own. Well, I'm sure that was show. equally great. I've only heard amazing things about that. Um, yeah, he's just like so open and present, and such a good singer, and so good at connecting with the audience, and all those things. Yeah, he's and, amazing. Yeah, it was oh, that was that was a, a real treat. Um, so if he does it again, I mean, yeah, and I think he I think he drops in at Club Coming a decent amount if you check the I've calendar. I've never been there. I want to go. It's tiny. It's fun. I recommend going like on a on a Sunday or a Monday when it's like not too crowded because it could get it could get like really crowded. Oh, I'm sure. Unless you like crowds, then whatever. <laughs> but I went on a slow night. It was fun. Um, yeah. Okay, it's, great. It's a fun place. Um. Well, where can people check out info on your show and such? What's, what's your website? So the website for the show is trumplear.com. Okay. And, yeah, there's always updates about upcoming shows on there. Uh, you can check buseyhamlet.com, too, for <laughs> when we get going on that again. Pull it out of the closet. It's fun to just look at that. Uh, my website is davidcarlonline.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the, those are the places to see what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. This was amazing. This was was the best way to catch up. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Compass Podcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content, and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. 
Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.